Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. What is going on? It is Go Birds episode 182. I am James Seltzer with me, my guy, Elliot Church Parks. What's up, buddy? Today, I shaved my facial hair into a bike handle mustache type of situation. <laughs> no, you didn't. Did I you did. Really? I swear on my life. So, like, you're like, screw it. I'm at home. I may yeah. as well just so get I weird. I to shave all my facial hair off. First of all, I mean, you've seen me in public and people that have seen my Twitter picture or whatever. No, I don't have great facial hair to begin with. <laughs> today, I, I've been working on, like, I've decided I wanted to shave it off. So, today, I went to do it. And then like midway through, I was like, so this is my perfect opportunity. And so it's been like this for about five or six hours. And I'm not going to see anybody for a long time. So I'm just going to keep it. I like this. Yeah. I think this is a strong move. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. very impressed. Well, it's a move I would not make if I had to see people in public. <laughs> yeah, I think we know that. Like everybody, You're someone who yeah. won't put your headphones on your hair because you right. don't want your hair to get messed right. up. So next time you see me, I'll probably be... You know, all the facial facial hair will be gone. But just thought I had to come clean with the uh, the Go Birds listeners. I appreciate. I think the Go Birds. See, here's the thing. I guarantee people will enjoy this podcast more knowing that you have a handlebar mustache. Yeah. While you're doing. And I, I debated tweeting. I'm enjoying it more. I'm I'm already in a better mood because. Yes. I debated tweeting a picture out, but after the visceral reaction Joe to camera has got. <laughs> I decided against it. Visceral is is putting it lightly. Uh, Like when when the number one theme of the jokes in the response to the picture is anything related to like Amber Alerts and stuff, you know you've gone way wrong. And the funniest part about the picture, and for those that haven't seen it, they have to go check it out on Twitter. I'm sure James has retweeted it a bunch and it's on the midday account. But the funniest part about the picture isn't really the mustache. It's just the whole aura of him. Like he was definitely going. <laughs> he looks for, so unhappy. Right. For, exactly. He looks he like was going. It, it, it. Yeah. It looks like he really does look like it looks like a mugshot. Like it looks like yeah. someone who is a, about to go to jail for some sort of crime. Yeah. So. Some sort of crime that involves <laughs> minors. Like <laughs> I know. It's so bad. Like his, his, when his, I tweeted it out from the midday account, the literal first response that we got was Amber Alert. Like someone yeah. put an Amber and like the little alert uh emoji and I went, 
this is going to be bad. But <laughs> it's like, this, this is, is good. Chris Hansen prominently featured in a lot of the responses. It wasn't good. This is why DeCamera is the goat because he doesn't give a, f- you know, he just puts I, it out there. I, I love him. that guy. He's, the, He's the best. The true man. He, he, he really is. He is. The, uh, he, he takes a beating unlike anyone I've ever seen before in my life. It's very impressive. Like he just takes it and keeps on trucking. It's very impressive. It is. It's a sign of a, a confidence. He's a confidence. I like man. that. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. Uh, let's get into it. Later on, Elliot and I made a little deal with each other. We'll get to that later because I'm very excited to hear how my side of the deal panned out and vice versa. But you'll understand that more when we get to it later. Let's have in because Elliot, Howie Roseman, just all of a sudden we find out yesterday, uh, conference call today with the, with the media. He ends up talking to the Eagles website earlier in the, the day. Him and Spadaro sit down and then has a conference call with the media of like a 50-minute conference call, dives into a ton of stuff. You were there. You were on the call. So I'm just going to pepper you. Like, let, let us know. I think that the Go Birds listeners want to hear what Howie had to say. Obviously, free agency kind of, you know, on the, the back end, so to speak, the trade for Slay, all that stuff addressed, and then, of course, the draft coming up. So um, let's start with the wide receiver position. You were on the midday show today. Your biggest takeaway was about the wide receiver position. I know we talked a lot about Alshon, the wide receiver position, all that. What was your main takeaway from Howie and specifically with regard to the wide receivers? So I think what's interesting, when Howie talks about Alshon, and I, I noticed he did this at the season-ending press conference, Howie is never one to talk about specifics with contracts. He'll always say we're going to keep that private. It doesn't benefit us to talk about it. I thought it was very interesting that he um, kind of painted the picture of the the restructure last year that they did as Alshon taking a pay cut. Now, he did in a way, but what Alshon really did was, you know, get more guaranteed money and he gets his 2020 uh, guaranteed salary. So Alshon didn't really take less money, but how he painted it as a pay cut, that is made – that is a statement he makes to make Alshon seem like a sympathetic figure. And today, when he talked about Alshon, his exact quote was, some things that people don't get to see when we, that we see on a daily basis is this guy wants to win world championships in Philly. He's told me that on multiple occasions, including recently, how much he wants to win for our fans in our city. Then he goes on to talk about other stuff. And he says the toughness that he has shown to try to bring a championship to our city, which he helped do, obviously. Like, he is peppering Alshon with compliments that, in my opinion, are aimed to make the fan base feel bad for Alshon, to paint him as a sympathetic figure. And I think Alshon is going to come back. Like, I think there's a possibility he's traded. I'm not going to say it's 100% Alshon's going to be back. But I think there is... About a 50% chance, if not a 51% chance, Alshon's back. And if you would have asked me, and I probably said this on the pod towards the end of the season, I was at like 15%. Yeah, but you've also since then, as you've read the tea leaves, as you've heard him talk, you've this has been a progression for you. It feels right. like you kind of, like recently you've you've come to this conclusion. It's not just what he said today. You were already feeling that. You were already feeling like that was headed in that direction. Um, and to be fair, look, I, you know, those comments are true. Like Alshon Jeffrey, I know we've had a tumultuous last couple years with him, but he was freaking awesome in 2017. And he did play a major role in them winning a Super Bowl. The catch in the Super Bowl among the greatest catches in Eagle history, maybe the greatest catch in Eagle history. Like it's right there. Um, so I, I it, look, I, I, I'm. I'm not as I, I at the end of last season I was like they have to get rid of this guy you have to move on but 
they're the ones who know the most about what the locker room dynamic is. They know what Alshon's, you know, what he said or didn't say and, and how he feels about Wentz and all that. So if they're willing to bring him back into this environment, then, you know, I'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Did you get the opinion, though? Because, look, I don't think there's any Eagles fan alive who's going to say they feel good going into the season with Alshon, who also, to be fair, is still an injury risk. We don't know if he's going to be ready to even start the right. season. Alshon, Deshaun... Again, injury risk, one game last year, essentially. And Greg Ward and JJ, I mean, no one feels good going into the, the season with that. Do you think that they've kind of painted themselves in a corner where he has to get one of these three wide receivers? Or, or do you see it kind of a, he's going to take a lot of shots in the draft? And and on top of that, do you think that the idea of, of supplementing what they have at wide receiver with just draft picks is going to be enough. So let me say something really quick on Alshon before I answer that. Um, so when Alshon first came to Philly, like I was the guy who was saying this was not a good signing. I don't oh, I remember. Right, exactly. Like I said, Jordan. We argued about it. For sure. Like I said, Jordan Matthews was better. Like, so I am not one to stand up for Alshon. I, I always think he's, he's been a slightly overrated player. I agree with you that catch in the Super Bowl was a, the best catch I've ever seen with my own two eyes. I think it's better than the one-handed Odell catch when you consider the the level of difficulty and also just the stage. I mean, it's the Super Bowl versus some random game where he lost against the Cowboys. So I'm not saying this about Alshon because, frankly, because I like the guy. Like, Alshon doesn't like me. He blocked me on Twitter. But I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think we all need to take a step back from this, like, Alshon's a snake, he has to go, all this stuff. A, this is all based off of what we think was a leak to Josina. And even if it was him, and the Eagles think it's him, but even if it was him, the quote from this year was basically Carson needs to check the ball down more. Like, I think the story has taken on a life of its own to where you would think the anonymous quote was like, Carson's not a leader, he's blah, 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 right? Like, the quote was pretty mild in criticism. And I'd also say, just from being at the NovaCare every day, Alshon is not an issue in the locker room. I'm not going to pretend that him and Carson have the best relationship. And if you want to say, look, anyone that's not 100% down with Carson has to go, I'm okay with that. But I, I, to my core, do not believe that the issues between Alshon and Carson are so bad that they could not work together next year. I do not think it would be an issue if Alshon came back. Now, I don't think Alshon's any good anymore, so that's a problem. <laughs> it's a separate, a separate yeah, issue, that's, right? That's a separate issue. But in terms of like this whole he has to go, he's a snake, Carson, you have to do it for Carson, I personally think that Alshon could come back and things would be okay. But to your second question, you cannot go into next year with Deshaun and Alshon on this roster. You just can't do it. You can't have a world where two guys who are basically in contract years, who are veterans, who are going to want to play – like, you're not going to bench either of those guys. So you can't play them both. Um, so I don't think you can bring Alshon and Deshaun back. And of the two, it's pretty clear which one is more valuable heading forward. And it's clearly Deshaun. And I think when Howie talks about it, you can tell. With Alshon, he's more open to criticizing Alshon in the way that he'll say, like he said today, Alshon uh, knows how fans feel about him. He's looking to prove himself, all that. With Deshaun, it's like Deshaun's going to be back. Blah. Like it's there's no right. standard button right. about it. But I don't think bringing back is both of them back is a good idea. Uh, it's pretty crazy too when you think about the whole Alshon thing. When the whole reason he came here was I want to you know Carson's going to win an MVP. I want to be with that guy. It really did. 
turn quickly. Um, all right, to the to the draft point with the receivers, uh, to, and to what you just talked about really relates to that. The idea that if they want to, first of all, have they painted themselves into a corner where they have to take a wide receiver in the first round, and and theoretically maybe you have to trade up to get a, an impact wide receiver in the first round, and B. What's the, like, is there an issue with, like you just talked about, if both Alshon and Deshaun are going to be back and Greg Ward in the slot, like, are you going to draft a wide receiver that high and not play him? Like, how do you right. see this shaking out? Have they, Do they have to take a wide receiver in the first round? And then how do they handle it after they do, if they do? So I think there's a 100% chance that one of their first two picks in the draft is a receiver. I think there's a better than 50% chance their first pick at number 21 is a receiver. I think there is a less than 15% chance that they trade up for one of these three guys. Do you say 15 or 50? 15. 15. Okay. Oh, wow. So you think it's highly unlikely that they are trading up. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, so Mel Kuyper Jr.'s last mock draft had seven receivers going in the first round. Like, Wow. And the Broncos at 15, Henry Ruggs will not get past the Broncos. So maybe – and CeeDee Lamb's not going to fall. And I – I'm not that big on Jerry Judy, but it seems like everybody else in the world is, so I'll probably end up taking the L on that. But <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think any of those guys are getting past 15. When you talk about trading up to number 14, just off of the draft value chart, which teams use to make trades, you're talking about 21 and 53 to go from 21 to 14. Yeah, that's that's a lot, especially when you've traded your only real third-round pick for Darius Slay. And that's just off the points. Like... I think it's going to be expensive to trade up this year because of how much people like these receivers. And when you see the free agency market and how it's played out with uh, Perriman not getting that much money, uh, Robbie Robbie Anderson ended up getting a fairly decent deal at twelve million in the first year, but twenty million overall is not a lot. I think not what we thought he'd get for sure. Right. I think teams are going to target these receivers, and that's going to make it more expensive to trade up. So I, I don't think they're going to end up with one of the top three guys. Wow, that's fascinating. So do you think they potentially trade back maybe and and try and add an extra pick or two and take someone they like in the 30s? Is that a possibility? A greater possibility, let's say? I think there's a better chance they trade back than trade up. Unless you're wow. talk, unless you're talking about moving from like 21 to 18. I don't think they're going to make a substantial move up the draft board. Um, I'll ask you though. I mean, if you're sitting there at 21 and let's say Justin Jefferson – will probably be on the board, although I think he might go early. You're probably looking at, like, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, K.J. Hamler will definitely be there, Denzel Mims. I don't really like Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, but I think he'll probably be there. Like, I mean, what would you do? Would you back? There's all those guys. Would you just take your best guy there? Yeah, and again, it's all dependent on value and and what kind of offers you're getting and all that. I am someone who I seem to be a lot higher on Justin Jefferson than most. I think Justin Jefferson's very good. For what is yeah, I'm I'm if let's put it this way, if they stay at 21 and take Justin Jefferson, I'm good. Like I'm very happy. Yeah, I'm very happy with that pick. So I think it's all dependent upon who's there and who's not. Um, I think it'd be interesting though. You know, you move back, maybe you take two shots, maybe. You take a, a Hamler in the 30s and then, you know, Claypool or someone at 53 if they're still there or someone like that. It probably won't be Claypool at that point, but um, there's enough depth of talent of wide receiver in this draft that it might make sense to, instead of expending a bunch of picks to go up and get one of the top three guys, to take a couple shots higher than, you know, kind of spread that risk out. To my other question, though, what what do you do if you're, if you've got, let's say Alshon is ready to go to start the season, and that's a, a big if, but let's say Alshon's ready to go, Deshaun's ready to go, but you draft a receiver super high, how do you think they handle that? It's a great question. 
I, I think they probably trade Alshon for whatever they can get at that point. But the issue is the longer you hold on to him, I mean, on one hand, maybe a team becomes receiver needy. We saw them be able to trade Sam Bradford when uh, Teddy Bridgewater went down. I mean, this is on a far less scale. I mean, a, a far less important scale, right? I mean, the Vikings lost their starting quarterback. Alshon Jeffrey is a average receiver. So I don't think a team is going to end up being like, okay, here's a third round pick for Alshon. But in a world where you get to the end of training camp, and let's say they take Justin Jefferson or somebody in the first round, and Deshaun, Alshon, JJ, Greg Ward, and your rookie are all healthy, you cannot play Alshon and Deshaun over that rookie. So at that point, you either need to, I don't know about cut Alshon, but just trade him, move on from him, do whatever, because if the whole priority of this offseason, and that's something Howie talked about today as well, is when you're paying Carson X amount, you're paying Fletcher Cox X amount, you have to have positions where you give guys, young guys, a chance to play. And that's what they're doing with Andre Dillard. And we could talk about that in a few minutes because I think his answer was interesting. But if you're drafting young receivers for Carson, every single snap Alshon and Deshaun take this year is essentially a waste of time because neither of them will be here in 2021. So if you do get Justin Jefferson, if you do have KJ Hamler, these guys need to be playing this year and getting those rookie bumps in and growing with Carson, not sitting on the bench. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. I think developing a wide receiver with Carson is far more important this year than than even them, you know, winning a game at a certain point or yeah. whatever. I think like we've talked about it's pretty clear like and to your point, we'll get to Dillard in a second cuz I think Dillard falls in this category too. As we've talked about like how he wasn't lying. They're playing for 2021 and 2022 more than they're playing for 2020. They're not giving up on 2020. They would never do that. But they're certainly not going all in for 2020. It's just, it's apparent by the moves they're making. All right, the Dillard thing. Because I thought that was fascinating too when you talked about this on the Midday Show. Because Joe DeCamera asked you, do you think there's a chance Jason Peters could be back? And where do they stand on Andre Dillard? And I thought what Howie had to say is really interesting. What did Howie have to say about this? So Howie's answer was, I think Howie was very aware of the issue he created at the Combine in terms of creating this perception that they weren't high on Andre Dillard and that they wanted Jason Peters back. His answer with Peters was was basically, look, we talked to all our free agents, but that's just out of common courtesy, essentially, is what he said. He said, Dillard is ready to start. We believe he's ready. We know he's not going to be the best version of himself this year, but we also know that he needs to play, and we drafted him in the first round for a reason. So Dillard is going to be your week one starter. I, I don't think there's any doubt at this point, barring injury, he starts week one. Even if Jason Peters comes back at this point, I do not believe Jason Peters will be starting. I think bringing Peters back would in some ways be a mistake. Um, I think that the benefit of doing it is that Dillard, if he's a disaster, you have a good backup plan there. But I also do wonder if like Dillard can succeed with Jason Peters over his shoulder just because of the personality that he is and the personality that Dillard is. But I, I do think Dillard is your week one starter. Yeah, that's huge. And look, ultimately, in a, in a perfect world, that's what we all want. I mean, we, we want him to be good, obviously. If he sucks, that's an issue no matter what. But, you know, if, if Andre Dillard's going to be anything, he has to be given the opportunity to go out there and prove it. You know, it's what it is. And you took him in the first round last year. He's in the second year of his rookie contract. Like, now's the time. So, and especially as we talked about in a year where you're willing to take some chances to build for the future past that, you need to know. You have to know this year if Andre Dillard can play in this league or not. It's, it's imperative. I think it's incredibly unlikely that Jason Peters would come back as a backup. Again, you never know what the market is, and if he just doesn't get an opportunity somewhere else, you never know. 
but I, I just see that as unlikely. And to your point, I also think it it probably would be tough for Andre Dillard if Jason Peters here looking over his yeah. shoulder. That's a, it's a tough spot. So, which is who Dillard is. I mean, I'm not saying Dillard lacks confidence, but I don't think he in his rookie year was an especially confident guy, right? You're adjusting to the. I mean, we were talking about uh, you yeah. know these issues. Yeah, we were worried he wasn't confident enough to play in the NFL a month right. ago. You know, so yeah. I, I think Peters coming back. But what's interesting, and this is kind of a theme of everything we've talked about, but like how we talk today, how you can't push all your chips in the middle when you have a 27-year-old quarterback. And I just think that was an interesting phrase because, I mean, if like we were going to talk about all these free agency moves and Nicole Roby Coleman and what they're going to do at receiver, to me it still all boils down to if Carson's as good as he was at the end of the year last year, the Eagles will be a Super Bowl contender. So this idea about like not pushing all your chips in the middle, I understand what Howie's saying, but 27 – it's not it's not young for a quarterback anymore. Like Carson's been in the league for four years. He has a torn ACL and a broken back. Like C- Carson, I-, I don't think you should be having this uh, attitude of, well, we're going to have Carson for the next eight years. Like that's a really long time in the NFL. So I'm not saying the Eagles should be going all in and, you know, trading all their assets away and doing all that stuff. But I do think it's a delicate line to walk between building for the future while also wasting years of Carson. Like, Carson played 16 games last year, and he he didn't end up really getting playoff experience, but nothing came from it. Like, Carson plays 16 games again this year, and they're still, like, a 9-7 and team. I I think that's another waste of his career. Another waste Um, of the season. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think you can't... He's in his prime, like, physically. Physically, he's in his prime. Uh, Obviously, quarterbacks can play a lot longer, and you never know, like... You know, some of these guys seem to play forever if he can adjust his style of game and all that. But um, I- I'm with you. I-, I don't love the idea of wasting a year of his prime. But to your point, I mean, look, the Eagles supporting cast, well, they're not going all in. I mean, it's not that much worse than than a Seattle or, or these other teams that we've seen, you know, at least compete for the playoff, make runs. You know, they're not maybe the most talented roster in the league, but they should be good enough that if Carson plays great, that they are a playoff team. And, and from there, anything well, can happen. I, so I got into this a little bit with Ike Reese on Twitter. I wonder where you fall on it. Like, so remember last year when there was that stat about Carson's the first guy to ever throw for X amount of yards without one of his receivers catching over 500 yards. I think it was first who guy, could ever forget who that. Could ever stat, forget that stat, Right. I'm surprised there's not a, like a banner hanging for it, but <laughs> I, I was not that impressed with that stat. And one of the reasons was, is because Like, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders are legitimate, really good, borderline, like, Goddard's not elite, but Ertz definitely is elite. Frankly, I don't think Miles Sanders is that far away from being elite. And Goddard, if not for lack of playing time, will probably be right there. I'm not disputing that they don't need help at receiver, but if you take a step back from focusing on receiver, and you look at the Eagles' offense, like, they have an elite head coach, in my opinion, who is also an elite play caller, they have an elite tight end. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. If Dillard's a question mark, but if he's just okay, I still think they have one of the better offensive lines in the league. They have an elite running back who's great in the passing game, and they have Goddard, who's one of the best passing catching tight ends in the league. So the receiver is an issue, but if you had to rank like importance from starting, like what's the most important part of having a good offense to what's the least important part? I think the Eagles have the majority of the components that you would put in the top five. So I think the offense can still be really good if Carson and Doug play to their potential and they don't make any like drastic move at receiver outside of drafting someone in the first round. 
Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I, I completely agree. And and it's a good point to pivot to the defense because, as we've talked about, I think there's a lot of excitement that this defense will be better than it's been the last few years. Certainly from a talent perspective, I know losing Malcolm Jenkins hurts, but they've made some nice additions. One of the newest additions, Nickel Roby Coleman signed uh, yesterday uh, their 8,000th nickel corner yeah. on the team, Elliot. Uh, what, did, what did Howie have to say about adding specifically Nickel Roby Coleman, but also about their kind of approach that they've taken this offseason to adding a lot to the secondary, reshaping the secondary, and kind of what he had to say about that whole situation? So I think we need to stop talking about Avante Maddox as an outside as a, a nickel corner. He is an outside corner now. I mean, he started oh. he started the playoff game there. Um, how he talked today, he compared him to to a bunch of like all time great short cornerbacks when asked about whether his height's an issue, and all of them were outside guys. Um, I I think they don't sign Nicole Roby Coleman if Avante Maddox is their starting nickel. Like Avante is a guy they're high on. They want to be on the field, and I think. Arguably, outside of Slay, just because of the commitment they've made, I think Avante Maddox is a guy that is at the top of their list of priority when it comes to the secondary. So uh, I think uh, when you look at their secondary right now, I think it's going to be Darius Slay traveling. I think that's something they're going to do next year because how we talked today and his exact quote was something like, we felt we needed to get a guy that could take on the other team's best receiver, and we got that. So I don't think you're going to see him playing on the left and the right. I think you're going to see Slay travel with the best receiver. Thank the Lord, yeah. Elliot. Yeah. How long have we been asking for that? And Howie had a great quote today. He said something like, look, I'm all, I'm like, just like you guys. I don't like to watch the ball continually being thrown over our head. So nice. I, I thought they weren't going to prioritize their cornerback position. I was wrong about that. It's pretty clear they felt cornerback was a major issue for them and Although that, uh, clearly, no, yeah, very know, blatantly. They've never really, I guess they've invested in it in some ways. I'm just surprised the lengths they've gone, I guess is what I should say. So Me they're, too. Me they're going to have Darius Slay as their shutdown guy. They're going to have Avante opposite him, and I think they're going to give Sydney a chance there, but I don't think – Sydney would have to be pretty amazing to beat out Avante. Like that's going to be a tough competition. Um, and then at, at Nickel, like – Jim Schwartz does not bring Nikel Roby Coleman in if he's not going to start and play a ton of snaps. Like, Nicole uh, Roby Coleman has always been a starting nickel corner. He plays almost 500 snaps a year there just in coverage as a nickel corner. He does not come here unless he knows he's starting. So he is a starter, and I think Cravon is the backup. Maybe they'll find a way to get him on the field, but Slay, Maddox, Nicole Roby Coleman, McLeod, those guys are locks to play a ton of snap snaps i think mills is like right there and then will parks but i think those are your five guys that that they're focusing on having being like the core of their secondary it's so funny it does seem like the the fan base seems to love craven leblanc more than the eagles seem to love craven leblanc he i he's always makes plays when he's in there yeah. but it does to your to your point um look they got a ton of depth there all of a sudden you know they're then again i don't know you know, there are question marks. There's still question marks. I'm not saying it's it's shock, you know, it's locks, but like at least I think what Howie's trying to do here is he's spending, you know, these one one million, one point two million, like these cheap type of deals and trying to throw a lot of guys at a problem. Obviously Slay was the big move, but they go out there at Coleman, they go out, they get Will Parks, they've got Mills, they've got McLeod, like McLeod, you said McLeod will start. And then, you know, you hope that one of these guys can kind of pop, can kind of grab that role and run with it and and take multiple shots instead of spending on on someone who makes a lot more money. I think that could be part of the thinking there too. 
Can I go on like a semi-quick complaint about Howie rant? So I've never wanted anything more in my life. All right, Elliot. so I just think it's so funny on Twitter when like Nicole Roby Coleman's contract comes out and it's like it's a million bucks and everyone's like, how did how we do it? How we do season? It? Or like Darius Slay's cap hit comes out and it's three million dollars and everyone's like, here we go. Howie did it again. Like guys, Howie got. Roby Coleman for that much money because no one wanted to give Roby Coleman more money. That's how he got to him for that much money. And he got Darius Slay's deal that low in the first year because he backloaded it, which you could argue is a decent strategy. But, you know, maybe for an older guy is not the best strategy. So I just, you know, look, I think Howie's having a pretty good offseason overall. I really like the Slay move. I like Hargrave. I, I, I like the Roby Coleman move. Like, I like what they've done. But, you know, like, Howie is not, like, the, the fact Roby Coleman got a million dollars is not because Howie's a wizard. He got it because no one else wanted to give him more than a million dollars. A million percent yeah. correct. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree anymore. And I, I'm with you. I do think Howie's had a nice offseason. And it's interesting because they've spent so much focus on the offense the last few offseasons, certainly last offseason. Um, I think it was interesting. I don't think anyone expected them to just come in and just totally try and revamp this defense, but it needed it. You know, it clearly yeah. needed it. We talked about it a lot heading in, you know, the idea that there was no one under the age of 30 who you felt was a sure thing, like not one guy. And now you get Slay's 29, but I mean, I think Hargrave, I think that's going to be a signing where everyone looks back and is like, wow, like that, that dude's for real. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I'm really excited about that signing. So, um, I, think I got, Howie's I got a kind question of, for you. Yeah, sure. I, sorry, not interrupt. I didn't know if you were moving. No worries. But, I was just, all I was going to say is I think Howie kind of zigged when we all thought zigged when we all thought he was going to zag, and you know I think it's working. Better chance at being a top five unit next year, defense or offense? Oh, Elliot, that's a great question. What do you think? Um, I think it's the defense. I do too. Yeah, I, do too. I think it's the defense, and I mean Jim Schwartz, especially with him at the helm. Um, do you think real quick, and I, I want to get to uh, some more. Uh, I've got another question for you on the defense, but real quick, it, Yannick, have we heard anything new? Is there any new social media? Anything new happening with Yannick? Man, Yannick. Thank God. By the way, thank God we didn't. We were like, oh, should we keep recording and see if this happens now? Last pod. Thank God we didn't. Yeah, we'd, we'd still, still be recording. recording. It would be, yeah, it'd be the pod that never ended. Um, <laughs> we should replay Bartard's noise when when uh, Yannick, when he thought Yannick was coming there. I feel oh, like oh. Out of Oh, how, yo, whoa, hey, uh, such, such a, a excited, man. unbridled excitement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Yannick is still thirsty. He is thirsty for some Eagles posted Reggie white today again. Um, yeah, look, I think there's less than a 15% chance he's going to be here just because of the money. I honestly don't think the draft compensation is the issue. Um, I think that the Eagles, the interesting thing about their cap situation is they have $30 million right now, but they're in a very tough cap situation going forward because a lot of guys' cap hits go up. I mean, Hargrave, Cox, and Malik Jackson are at $51 million in cap hits for 2021. That's a lot of money wow. for your defense. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, I know the cap goes up, so you know it's not as significant as it would be this year, but I, I, don't, I don't think they have the money to get Yannick. I would do it. I mean, I would absolutely do it. I would trade number 21 for him. Um, but I'm I'm at like 15 percent that it happens. All right, uh, well, I want to get to the draft in one second. And but is there any a, a draft update while you were? Yeah, I just saw Tom yeah, Pelsar. Yeah, 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 we'll get to, we'll get to that. But real quick before we move on, was there anything else 
from Howie's conference call or from his uh, one-on-one with Spadaro on the website that you think is worth noting before we move on? Um, just that they seem very confident in Jalen as their Malcolm guy. And I'm a big Jalen guy. I've always stood up for him. I think it's going to be a tough transition for him just because I think it'd be tough for anybody to do it. It doesn't have to do with Jalen Mills' skill set or his ability. I do think he actually has some of the skill sets to make it happen. But it's just a, you know, it's a very boomer bust move because Malcolm was very important. And I like Will Parks as well, but again, not a short thing. So they're going with two like very unknown commodities to replace Malcolm, but they, they seem confident in it. Yeah. I look, and, um, Again, we were both okay with the Malcolm thing. I don't love it. Obviously, I'd prefer he's here, but I think at a certain point you had to move on from Malcolm Jenkins. He wants to play a couple more years. They want to start to turn the you know turn it forward, and and I I understand it. It is what it is. Um, all right, to the draft. You just mentioned it, and then coming up, we got a little siesta key. Oh yes, talk. Who saw this coming? All right. Oh, yeah. Real quick, Pelissaro. Um, there have been questions about back and forth over the last few days about. Will the draft stay as scheduled? Scheduled for the weekend of April 23rd, 23rd, 24th, 25th. Uh, will it stay as scheduled? There have been murmurings that NFL GMs have been complaining about, you know, the process and not enough time to scout guys and, and scouts on the road and all that. Um, and the NFL apparently was pushing back and saying, no, we're doing it then. Well, it looks like the NFL is going to win. Tom yeah. puts out, yeah, unsurprisingly, puts out the NFL Management Council. This is just from 17 minutes ago. The NFL Management Council Executive Committee discussed issues relating to the draft today and was unanimous and unequivocal that the draft should go forward as scheduled April 23rd through the 25th on 2020. Uh, Goodell um, told clubs in a memo tonight. So and Rod, it's happening. Goodell has put out a statement since then. I don't know if you saw it, but he I the, do. the memo that he sent out. So it is happening. I have mixed feelings on this. Where where do you fall on it? I'm totally fine with it. Like, okay. uh, here's my thinking. Because when do you postpone to, like, we don't know that scouts are going to be able to get out on the road for months and months. Like, it's a type of thing where if you just postpone, let's say you postpone it to June, it's like, we don't know that life's going to be back to normal by then. Like, what's the difference? Like, I think that no matter what, they're going to have to make these decisions without the full swath of knowledge that they normally have. You scouted these guys in college. You, you know, there were pro days. The combine happened. Like, I think you just have to rely on that information and, you know, video conference guys. Do whatever you have to do that you could do with technology. But if you just keep pushing and pushing, we don't know when it's ever going to happen. And it's already going to be hard enough for all of these rookies to uh, work themselves into teams because there's a really good chance the start of the seat, you know, mini camp, training camp, all that stuff's going to be pushed back. So um, I just feel like you're kicking the can down the road and it's never going to be a perfect time. I just say you roll forward with where it's at. So prior to free agency, when this was, I mean, this is obviously everything that's going on. It's still a very serious deal. Like I'm not saying it's less serious now, but I would say when they had to make the decision about free agency, it was probably the height of us not knowing what's happening. It would NBA had just closed down. I was I was in the camp of push free agency back. I think going forward with free agency ended up being the right move. So I think the NFL can be, and they do make a lot of decisions based off of money and stuff, so I'm not saying that this isn't part of it, but I do think they made the right decision with, decision with free agency. My issue with holding the draft is not that I think it's, you know, they shouldn't be doing it during this time. It's It's not even so much when you'll do it. My issue is more... And this is very related to the Eagles. Like, it's going to be really hard to make draft picks this year. You're not going to be able to bring them into the facility. You're not going to be able to work them out in person for essentially six weeks prior to the draft. Um, It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for rookies. 
it's so on a draft where specifically for the Eagles, they they need to find someone at receiver that can play. It's going to be really hard to do. So, um, I mean, I think I saw today on on uh, Twitter, I forget who tweeted it, so I apologize, but that the Packers facility is closed down, is already committed to being closed down through the 25th. So so they're not even going to be together for the draft. I mean, there's a decent chance Howie is alone the night of the draft. Oh, buddy. Right? I mean, and Howie talked a little bit about that today with how he, you know, the IT department has set it up and everything's going great and everything. And I don't know if you have to be around people for the draft, but the normal draft setup is a room with a huge wall with all the prospects, like everyone's sure. in there, right? So it's just going to be very different. And it's just reality of the situation they're in. And I guess I see, I do see your point about if you push it back a month, what does that really do? Because we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if you'll be able to start traveling soon, all that stuff. But it is going, I mean, there's no denying, it is going to impact a draft. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, I just think that's the world we're living in right now. You know, I, it, yeah. it just is what it is. It was the same thing it with free agency. I think too. it sucks for the, well, it, you know, it sucks for the guys, especially because like, they don't get to have their draft moment. Like, yeah, that's you right. don't get to, to walk on the stage and be drafting NFL. You're sitting in your house or whatever. I mean, like the whole thing sucks, but at the same time, like, you know, these people are about to make millions of dollars. They have it a lot better off than most people in this country right now. So it's 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 always a sliding scale. You always and, have to look at it at practically and say like, all right, yeah, this sucks for these guys and stuff like that. But at the same time, like there is so much suckier stuff happening that right. it's like relative. And I mean, you know, a month from now, who knows? Like I, I, I don't look, they're not going to hold a draft where there's going to be a crowd, obviously. But I, I don't know, maybe a month from now they're able to be in the same room as Goodell. Sure. I mean, no, I get it. I get it. I, I just, I, I think that it's too uncertain. It's too fluid. You keep pushing it back. Like, I just don't think there's any real way to. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's get to the important stuff. I mean, the, the, really the whole point where I, I really haven't cared about talking about anything else. This has just been filler to get it this way. Elliot and I made a deal. So we made a deal that I would watch two episodes of Siesta Key. And we have, we're going to extend this because I'll watch more for more movies. But as you know, anyone who's listened to the show before knows that I've long been trying to get Elliot to watch older movies. And by older, I mean stuff from like 2000 and you before. I'm not talking old, old It's okay. Yes. Just call them old yes. movies. Old 1990s are old movies. But um, we struck a deal. Tit for tat, as they say. So I watched two episodes of Siesta Key. Elliot. You watched the Shawshank Redemption. You want to go first, or I, should I go? first? I would like to highlight. I also watched Harry Met Sally. So you did, but, but that was not part of the deal. But I do no, appreciate. It. We'll I, talk about both. I would just like you're to actually say, out in front. I've watched more. I've spent more time watching stuff than you have. Is my only point. But that's not well. Well, uh, somebody. This guy is three episodes into Tiger King. What up? I'm very happy to hear that. I did not ask you to watch Tiger King. But no, that's fair. I, that's fair. You mentioned that last episode. You both asked right. me to, but no, I'm happy. I'm gonna get. I want your yes. opinion on it. All right, so I'm enjoying it. We talked about Harry Met Sally briefly on the last one. So my, I mean, my take that I said last time is true. I think that. Uh, God, I can't forget her. Sally married uh, – that Sally settled for Harry. Yeah, this is crazy, yeah, but, but like, I love you for it. I just it. think she settled. Like, I mean, first of all, I don't think she was sexually attracted to Harry. Oh, brother. He's, he shot his shot multiple times with her over <laughs> years, and she had no interest. And so then basically 
She just felt lonely and hooked up with him. Is my he was in, she was in the they were in the friend zone. You got to get out of the friend zone. That happens. It does happen. I'm not disputing. It doesn't happen. I'm not so sure it happens over like 30 years, over 20 plus years, right? I mean, it was a long time. I think it does. I think it does. I, I mean, I, I was friends with Emily for like. Uh, how long but, was I friends with Emily okay, before we got key, I was friends with her for like nine years, ten years before we got together. Okay, but here's a key difference. At least I'm. I think this is a difference. You never, if I'm correct, tried to. You never shot your shot. Prior, no, that's true. Right? I shot my shot once, and, and then we were together. But net, correct. Right? Like correct. so. Right. Whereas Harry multiple times tried to get with Sally. From the well, jump. really only only early on, and then he took time off, and then got with her eventually. Yeah, but he still was rejected initially. Is my point. So yes, that is fair. So I'm not disputing. Like, look, I'm happy they're friends, and I'm sure they'll love hanging out with each other. <laughs> but like, I just don't really think. I don't think Sally is that into Harry. Is my ultimate point. But uh, I, overall, <laughs> very very good movie. And okay. It set me into a mood of wanting to watch old movies. So I was, I very much liked it. All right. Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Another very, very good movie. My very, guy. My I'm, guy. I can't remember the main character's name, but Andy he, Dufresne. Yeah. Very smart guy. I was very impressed. Uh, Morgan Freeman was very, very good. I thought the warden looked like Sal Palantonio. <laughs> <laughs> also, when I first started it, and you saw him coming into jail and everybody was clapping. And I think I texted you this and I definitely told my girlfriend while I was watching it. I was kind of like, jail wouldn't be that bad if everybody was nice to each other. You get to live in there. You would have no <laughs> and then, response. Yeah, and then you saw more of the movie yeah. and were like, whoops, bad day. And someone died 10 minutes later and I was like, all right, I definitely don't want to get in jail. And then there's rape and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, eh, not great. Right, not great. Um, I thought it was just very good. I didn't. I did not see him breaking out. I did not predict that. So it was, it's pretty. It's a great twist, right? Yeah. It's a great twist. Also, that scene where he stands in the rain and he puts his arms out. I've seen that it, so many times, and I had no well, idea see, what it was from. That's why I've always wanted you to watch certain movies because then you understand the pop culture references. You get the things, and it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Also, like, very nice that Morgan Freeman went to meet that guy. Also kind of crazy that in a time with cell phones, he just went to go find him and he'll be like, oh, he'll be right here. Like, I don't Well, it was not a time with cell phones, really. It was like nine. It, it, the movie takes place in 1950. No, or that's what I'm like saying. That. Before they had cell phones. Ah, I got you. OK, I don't leave. Okay. Well, I don't leave the house ever now. But prior, I would never leave the house without texting my friend like, hey, man, are you on the way to the bar? Like, like, <laughs> he literally just goes to, to Mexico. The, yeah, the it's great. Mexico, Texas border just being like oh, San Juan Taneo. Yeah, he wrote a letter months ago. So that was some real stuff. It was good friends. Um, nice. th those are my uh, reviews. Let's hear what you thought of Siesta Key. Okay, so you loved it. I'm very excited, and I'm going to recommend more old movies. Okay, so you want me to start Come with on. Tiger King or I, Siesta I, Key? Keep an eye. The one thing I think the listeners should know is you started with the second season, not the yes, first season. Yes, yes. So I couldn't find the first season unless I had to pay for it, and I was obviously not going to pay for it. And I did not ask you to pay for any movies. Right, Granted, right. You, did, you did pay for whatever it's Sally. I didn't know yes, that. Yes, but I was drunk when I made that decision. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I started with season two as yesterday. Um, here's what I'll say. After the first episode, I was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> All right. after, this, after the second episode, I was like, okay, I, could, right. I, I get it. Okay, so here's my – I have one huge problem with the show. 
Like, and it's really my only problem because it's super entertaining. Everyone's good looking. They're having fun. They're doing crazy shit. Like, cool. My one problem, I hate all of them. Yeah. Like, they're the worst people. Like, they're so awful. Like, there's no one to root for. I kind of like Amanda because she punched the other chick in the face. And the other chick, was it Chloe? Is that right? Yeah, Chloe. Chloe is the worst. Like, Chloe's all about Top drama, five sure. worst people who has ever lived, you know, out, you know, in, in a in you know, relative yeah, sense. Right. I'm now, not talking about I'm Adolf Hitler in these times. I Chloe so much. I feel like although she's all about the drama, she never really has anything going on in her life that like, I don't know. I feel like Juliet's a little meaner. Um, I wasn't, I used to like Madison. I'm not as big on her anymore. Alex, you know, I mean, he is what he is. Alex is the worst guy. <laughs> yeah. God. And Alex and Polly are like Paul. the worst combo of guys I've ever seen so, in my life. I didn't hate Ben. Is Benjamin Brandon? Brandon? Is that his yeah, name? BG. Yeah. Kind of like Brandon. Kind of like Brandon. He seemed all right. So in season one, Paulie is a rapper. I can't remember if he still is in season two, but he, uh, not yet. Not at the point I've seen. So yeah, I don't know if that's a surprise to you or not, but just felt. So it's definitely, it's definitely entertaining, but I just hate all of them. Like I want someone to root point, for. It. I never thought about that. Like with other reality shows, like Vanderpump Rules, I like certain people. I will say with yeah. CSP, there's nobody that I, I mean, I would want to hang out with them just because it looks really fun. But like, I wouldn't be want to be friends with them. I guess. Right. That's my biggest issue. I just there was no one, no one. I was like, oh yeah, I really like this one. I'm rooting for this one. But you know I, I mean, to visit Siesta Key after watching. I mean, yeah. It, and look, I mean, these people are all gorgeous. It is. It is a lot of beautiful people, yeah. and they're all super rich. So, or right. most of them are super rich. So it's definitely there's an element of um, rich people porn in there that is that is well, definitely. The thing I always think is so, and I mean, I guess I'm just going to tell you because I doubt you're going to watch all the way to the end of season three, but there's no chance. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I get you to watch like 40 movies and we just keep trading off. I'm not doing it for fun. So so Madison ends up dating a producer from season one. And I'm thinking, wow, that's very meta, actually. It's very interesting. Yeah. And he's like 20 years older than her. And the the part that's weird about the show is I don't know if it's real or not. It probably isn't that real. I don't really care. But it seems somewhat, it it seemed like there were, that was the other thing. It seemed like a lot of things where it was like, oh, there's no way they would do this unless the producer told them to do it. Right. Like, where they like, like they invite the one guy, Jared, I want to say, the army guy, like to Alex's party. And it's like, they would never like push this guy to go to this party if it weren't for TV. Like, these guys hate each other. Like, there's no way they would be like, oh, it's cool. You should totally come or whatever, unless it was for TV. You know what I mean? That's the funniest part about reality TV is they'll be like, I'm not going to that party. And then they just go because they're like contractually obligated. So that was clearly what was happening. But my point was, it's weird if you think about all these like 50 year old guys standing around with cameras videotaping them. Like it makes you view it through a different lens. So real quick, Tiger King, super entertaining. I will definitely watch the rest of it. Very, my, the one thing I feel horrible for these animals. Like it really sucks seeing tigers in cages and shit. Like that's just beyond not cool. And it's hard to watch. Like I don't like that part, but it is unbelievable that this guy was down there before all this crazy story started happening. And like that we're going to see this unfold. Like I'm very in on it. Uh, I don't know how far you are, and this isn't really a spoiler. So but... I am I am halfway through season three. So I'm at the point where we're talking about did Carol murder her husband, which it really seems like she did. 
So interesting, Carol said today that she was not happy with how that was portrayed. Surprise, no, oh, not shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Um, but what I was blown away by was, did you hear how much it was to get a ticket into his Tiger Park? No, I haven't gotten there yet. All right. Well, I'm just going to tell you. It was like $350. No. What? What? Isn't that insane? There was this guy that was like. Oh, my God. This guy said he goes twice a week. I'm like, that's, you know, 700 times four. It's $2,800 a month. It was either Tiger King's Park or the guy, the other. Oh, my God. That is insane. All right. Well, so I'm definitely going to finish Tiger King. Like, I'm in. I'm going to watch your ass. We can discuss it. Yeah, on the next pod, maybe we'll find another movie for you to watch. I'm going to scour Netflix and Amazon Prime and find you free old movies that you can watch since you're in now. I'm excited. And old is in quotes for us people who are actually old. From your prime. (laughs) You're in your prime now. From your youth, I should say. (laughs) Yes, yes. All right. uh, This is awesome. E, thanks for taking the time, buddy. I had a blast. Excited. Yep. Talk to you episode. All right. um, We'll be back next week. Barchard on the air on Saturday. Check him out. Uh, I believe one to five. I'm sure we'll call in at some point during that show. And otherwise, um, we'll be back next week. So thank you for listening to Go Birds episode 182 right here on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Go Birds. (laughs) 